0: Good morning, good morning. Good morning. this is my end birthday, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't get a Toblerone, <laughs> uh, I, do. to I don't know, <laughs> good morning everybody, good morning. so we're happy to be back here with you and uh, you guys have supported us for a really long time and uh, we've been here on and off. Uh, for like, I don't know, 35 or 40 years. So uh, just a little bit of background. I'm from Davis, just down the road. And I went to San Francisco Baptist Seminary just down the other side of the road. (laughs) And uh, then in uh, 82, Sophie showed up at our church, Hamilton Square Baptist Church, and I said, that's the one. And we got married a few months later in France And uh, we came back. I was going to be a pastor in Davis, California. And the Lord had other plans. So that's been uh, 36 years we've been missionaries in France. And um, so we have uh, four boys. Just a little background, you know. uh, Four boys that uh, we um, raised in France. And one stayed there. And he's an engineer over there. He's got a family wife from California. And they have two children, and they're in the Alps. So you'll see uh, Albertville later on. And uh, we have one in Germany, which he's in the military. So um, his current assignment is over there in Germany. And uh, we don't know where the next place will be, but I think he wants to stay there because he's like an hour f- or 45 minutes from France. And so when it's, you know, he gets that urge for French food, he just goes down the road 45 minutes into France and goes to the supermarket there and buys all the French food and comes home <laughs> to the military base. And uh, then uh, we had two down in San Diego. Uh, oh, so my my son in, uh, so Etienne lives in France with Christiana, his wife, and... Uh, Le- uh Levi and Luke they're children they're about a year and three years old more or less and then Guillaume has uh three kids, so Melody is his wife from Pennsylvania, and uh, they are uh, their kids are uh Lily hope I don't get this wrong yeah. <laughs> Liam and Ivy okay so that's from seven to thirteen years old and uh, then uh, Philippe and Abby. Abby's from Michigan, so they uh, they were living in San Diego, and then with all that COVID stuff and all that, and the prices kept going up, and they moved to a place that they say was cheaper. I haven't found that out myself, but it seemed pretty expensive to me out in Tennessee. Okay. And uh, so they have uh, four children. Boy, you're gonna have to tell me this: in Mason, Jackson, uh, Amelia, and Elise. There we go. So Elise is about one and. Ja- and Mason is 8 okay so I'm not too bad mm-hmm. and then uh, we have one son who's married to a girl from South, Southern California and they moved up to Montana <sighs> that's cold <laughs> so anyway they're all uh, born again they're all serving the Lord they're not in the, in the ministry but they all participate in their local churches just like a lot of folks here do and uh, so we're pleased with that. Guillaume, in the military, would like to be a chaplain, but he's, he's all prepared. He's got his training and everything to be a chaplain, but because of his assignments, he doesn't have the time to do the uh, practical, so he thinks he's going to miss out on that because he's uh, 38 years old, and I think at 40 they cut it off. Yeah. So, you know, if you think about him, uh, I'm sure you'd appreciate that prayer. So uh, we've been different places in France over the years. We were first in eastern France, then we were in western France, then we were in central France, and now we're in, in the north of southern France, and that's where it's going to end. <laughs> so um, I'm going to uh, show these slides here, and then if you have any questions, I'll try to answer them, and then I have, a, it's not really a Bible study, but it's some verses that I'd like to share with you according to the time that we ha- might have left at the end, okay? Um, so... That's us. And, uh, okay, so where do I point this to? Uh, do you want to point it to the screen if you want to use the laser pointer, but you don't need to point it at all. What I mean, to make it move. Oh, yeah, the, the, the button that shows to the right, push that one. And pe- point it that way? It doesn't need to point it anywhere. Okay, so that's us. Omnidirectional. Okay. okay. <laughs> My wife's name is Sophie. It's not Sophia. Don't say Sophia. <laughs> it's Sophie, because <laughs> she's French. And uh, so we will, uh, Lord willing, sing a couple of short songs in the church service. Very much. And then if you really like it, then maybe we'll sing something different in the evening. Okay. And if you don't like it, then just don't throw any tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so we live in Breve, that's short, Breve, Breve La Gallard. We have some placemats and po- photos and things out on the little table there, and prayer cards that you can take. Uh... They say it used to be just called Breve, and then with World War II, this is a town that liberated itself from the Germans, so they added La Gallarde. So the symbol of our town is a woman with a mustache, because Breve is a feminine word, and she was a tough one. So mustache. (laughs) I don't know. That's what they figured out over there. So this gives an idea of our town it's it's about 110,000 people with the town and the little villages thereabouts. We've been there since 2012. We first started out just helping. So this this church was started 50 some years ago. So I'm not the first missionary, I'm the third missionary. And the first missionary, he had a kind of a bad personality. Kind of hard to understand that, but he won folks to the Lord and scared them away. And he did that for like 40 Maybe 30, some years, one people the Lord and scared him away. So and eventually he retired, and, an, and another missionary came. He was there for like four years, and, and nothing ever happened, and he got depressed, and so he left and went to serve somewhere else. And then he asked me to take over there. So we went part-time, and this church started growing from two where it was, up to, I don't know, we had maybe 20 at some time, and it's kind of gone like this, and it's like right now it's like here, you know we're hoping is right here. <laughs> but it's it's gone like this, uh, since, uh, we've been there since 2012, so this is the building, it used to be a stable, and then it was a garage, and then the, for, the first missionary bought it and turned it into a church building, this is what it looks like inside, it's, uh, about a little less than half of this auditorium, maybe, uh, a third or maybe 35 percent so it's not real big we can get uh 35 chairs or standing room 70 okay Mm -hmm. so that's good yeah we don't ever do that (laughs) it's also got an upstairs which has the same capacity so this is what a typical church service is uh about that many people there every sunday you see around the sides so that's a Bible exposition. It gives a history of the Bible, uh, the way that it was uh, written down on papyrus or on parchment or on stone and different things, how it was transmitted through the centuries so we can encourage people in their, uh, to trust the, the Lord through the Word of God. And then when people get saved, of course, they get baptized. Amen. Then our work at uh, Breve we started a little mission at Perigue, So it's Perigue, Good. Okay? Everybody say good. good. Perigou. Perigou. It's almost like saying Perigood, you know? Perigou. Perigou. So that's the name of the place. And Oh, no, this is not our home. Uh, but church. there's a... <laughs> not even. This is a region that, this was part of the, where they had the Hundred Years' War, so there's all these castles that are that are British and castles that are French, and you know, they shoot at each other, you know, and stuff. So there's a lot of these little castles out there. It's a really beautiful area. Well, that's why I put this picture, just to give you the idea. And if you look on the uh, entryway, the placemats, you can see more. It's a really beautiful area. So, um, we started out... Uh, I think we really started in 2016. I put an advertisement on Facebook and offered Christian calendars. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'll come to McDonald's at Perigou and I'll give a calendar to anybody that came. Nobody came. So the next year, uh, we were there for um, just a visit to the town and I found this building that was for sale. It said uh, Protestant Church. I said, Wow. So maybe we can rent that because it was for sale. Maybe we can rent that, and we could start a Bible study there on Wednesday. So I called up, and they said, oh, sorry, it's already sold. <laughs> and I think it's an apartment now. But uh, through that, we got contact with some other people, and, and we started having a, uh, well, we were doing evangelism, and we had met the first couple people. We met him on the sidewalk in front of a bar and had a Bible study. Okay, we did that twice, and then we found another place with no alcohol, and it was it was a kind of a coffee shop type of thing, and we were there for like nine months. And when it started raining and stuff, they said, "Oh, why don't you come inside? and Go down into our basement. You know, we got more place down there." So that's how it got started, and then eventually we rented an apartment and did that, use that as a church place, and then now we have this storefront. So um, the the shape the the bookshelf that you see there is a part of our bible exposition each place we work we have a bible exposition because the people don't know anything about the bible okay they don't know anything at all so we try to educate them through these type of uh, bible exposition things and this is what it looks like inside now you may have seen this picture before I've, i've used the basic slides last time i was in america which was a year and a half ago and this time there's some new pictures some are old and so um uh, this is what it looks like on the inside. They, they're looking for a new place. So this group has grown tremendously. Okay, our little mission is l- much larger than the home church because almost everybody that comes is Ukrainian. So they all speak Russian, except for this one family speaks Iranian. Oh, <laughs> Ukrainian and Iranian. That they, if they could get the en together, they'd be just fine, you know. But anyway, uh, so they're supposed to be a French church. And so they try to do everything French. Everybody's learning French. And I think, I mean, like 90 or 95% of the people are immigrants. Wow. Okay, from one country or another. Okay, so there are very few French people that come to this. And there's um, at, they did the Christmas program, and there was like uh, almost 60 people at the Christmas program. Wow. In this little space that you can see here that looks already full with, you know, Fifteen, <laughs> okay. So it's growing, and they're they're supposed to be uh, creating their uh, what do you call it? bylaws and constitution? Yeah, right. Constitution and bylaws, and we're backing out. Our church at brief will no longer be supporting their meeting place, uh, which we pay the rent and the, and the and the electricity every month, which is about you know six hundred euros a month. That's about seven, six, almost seven hundred dollars, and uh, we're going to stop in July, okay. So. Uh, they've got to get themselves motivated and moving forward, With they are pretty motivated. Anyway, so when someone gets saved, of course, what do we do? Baptism, okay? So this was a baptism. Uh, Andre led seven Ukrainians to the Lord, and so we baptized them all that day. This was the meeting of uh, the people that came, and so this was people from other churches and friends and non-Christians that came to the baptisms, but now this is what the group looks like. Okay, it's this many people. This is different people, but it, it's about this big, the group there now. And uh, so, Albertville is six hours out into the Alps. Okay, so we're in central France. We drive across France, and we get to the Alps, go right through this tunnel that goes right into the rock wall right there, and you just go right through it. It's really amazing. You have to try. <laughs> Come and try. It's, uh, it's just like that. Anyway, so Albertville is up in the Alps, and it's beautiful. And they had the Winter Olympics there. Uh, I think it was in 1992. So, this is a lake near uh, where my son works. It uh, says, what does the date say there? 2015. So, what happened was my son was in this church. Okay, so we got a job in this big factory. It's an international company, he's a, a robotics engineer. And, uh, but there weren't any churches. We looked all over the place for a church. I mean, within a reasonable driving distance, you know. And uh, there weren't any. So he found one that it was kind of, well, okay, you know, rock and roll music. Didn't claim to be Baptist. It was kind of a hodgepodge of everything. But at least it had a pastor that was a, a man. Oh, yeah, and is. almost every other church was a pastor that was a woman. woman. So he didn't have much option. Yeah. Well, after a while, they decided they start having women preachers. And he said, you know, if you're going to do that, I've got to leave. <laughs> and they said, hey, do what you want. We, we know what we want. And so he left. So back, that was in 2015, that we said, okay, well, we'll come once a month and hold a church service so you can have a little bit of fellowship. And then, so we started out just being two days, then three days, then seven days, and now we go 10 days a month. Okay, now those 10 days a month, I'm not a brief. And now that's been quite a while since we've been one Sunday and now two Sundays that we're not abreast. And why do we do that? Well, because we want them to be responsible for their own church because we're going to back out real soon. Okay? So they need to be responsible for their own church. The Ukrainians, boy, they're all set to go. The French are going (laughs) to... It's terrible. They just Nobody wants to serve the Lord. We can hardly get two people to come to church together, you know, husband and wife. Mm -hmm. We got husbands... Oh, well, we got wives. Well, <laughs> we don't have husband and wife. There's always somebody that's holding back. Wow. And so uh, what they need at uh, Breve is leadership. Yeah. Okay? So anyway, right now we're talking about Perigus. So, I mean, uh, Albertville. So this is our group at Alberville. There's Etienne with his uh, with his wife, Christiana, and his two children and Sophie. That's one side. And then there's Adrienne and Diane, De- Diana, uh, that are um, also... They're going to be foundational people when we start this church. It's just a little Bible study right now. So every Saturday, ATN holds a Bible study, whether I'm there or not. And on the Sundays, the, on the weekends that we're there, uh, either he leads the Bible study or I lead the Bible study, and we have our church services those Sundays. Uh, Adrian has written two tracks already, and he passes out his tracks. He writes them and passes them out. That's amazing. So uh, anyway... There should be Adrian's brother who he won to the Lord and his mother who he won to the Lord in this picture, but they didn't come that day, so we couldn't just Photoshop. (laughs) Anyway, this is in front of our meeting place. It's called La Bergerie de Savoie, the the sheepfold of Savoie. So anybody know a bit about Christian Baptist history? The Waldensians in this area? The Waldensians, okay. So the Waldensians, there used to be a, a principality that was from a little bit north of here went all the way down to the Mediterranean Sea which is called the Principality of Savoy and on the Italian side of this kingdom uh, is the Waldensians so the Waldensians are the ones who uh, paid for the first French transla- Protestant translation of the Bible okay, they're poor, very poor people and uh, later on, they were persecuted and even massacred by the Catholic people coming out from Spain. But um, anyway, so yeah, they have a, a really important part in Christian history. Yeah. Yeah. So when people get saved, we baptize them. And so this is Adrienne's mother being baptized in a, a lake over there. Was the water cold? Mm-hmm. No, not, no too. not too bad. No, it? no. I don't do winter b- baptisms. <laughs> you know the Ukrainians say, "Oh, come on!" You know we just cut a hole the ice and just dump them down. And after after the pastor baptizes five people, you know he's about to die. Yeah, you know? gotta right. <laughs> get a new person. But um, for us, you know, hey, we will just wait till summertime. <laughs> <Just a second. laughs> so this is what it looks like on the inside of our little place. This is about uh, a quarter, maybe, yeah. 25% of this building, of this room, is what we have there. And uh, that's uh, during last summer we we did a week of um, promoting the Bible exposition, so we brought all kinds of stuff. We have, uh, let's see if I can think of a few things here. There's a, a facsimile of a Gutenberg Bible. There's a facsimile of Luther's Bible. There's a 16-something uh, Latin Bible that I bought at San Diego. There's... Um, there's a manuscript page from the Ethiopian Bible from, I think, the 1800s. So they still do handwritten stuff oh, wow. in Ethiopia. It's so a yeah. kind of a religious thing. We have a page from a Latin Bible from three years before Christopher Columbus set off okay and there's other things there and gadgets and and around the wall that's the first exposition I did, and it starts on this side with a picture a picture <laughs> of the universe <laughs> and then you know creation and then it goes you know with the, the uh, Genesis and then on the way through the Bible showing using pictures most of it is uh, pictures from a child's book So watercolors, but then I put in other stuff from Rembrandt and different masters, you know, and so on. So it is kind of interesting. Then there's a little text there about each thing and so on, okay? And then uh, we've been doing youth outreach, youth program for quite a while. I worked with another missionary on that, and he had just decided he's not going to do that anymore. And in this particular picture, it was me that was doing the youth meeting. These are the young people from all the churches within at least – Well, if if he did this one hour in every direction, okay, that's uh, I think six churches, and one one of the people there came from like five hours away because it was a group of his youth meeting. So he wanted his kids to be with other kids, okay. So there's not a lot going on, and all those kids are pretty isolated, okay. So that's uh, uh, now um, our one youth. Thomas, has gone off to the university so we don't have any young people in our church anymore at Brive And so André is doing the youth meetings at Perigueux. And they do have one uh, French girl, I think, that started coming to that. So that's good. Okay. Any questions? Or observations? No tomatoes. <laughs> so, uh, who's going to pastor the church in um, Perigueux that's now, so and then talk a little bit about how because last year you brought to the church's attention that he could use some support. Maybe that's still true. If it is, would you remark on that also? So, um, okay. Uh, So, Andre's objective is to be a missionary. What he really wants to do is go to start a church at Bordeaux. Bordeaux is an hour. He's Ukrainian. Yeah, he didn't come through this war. He left You know, okay, so there's this place called Mm Donbass. We've all heard of that now. Donbass is the Russian-speaking part of Ukraine that borders up against Russia. And the rest of Ukraine is Ukrainian-speaking, okay? So this Donbass is a separatist thing. You know, it's like a, a nation, so to speak. It's a little purple people. And they want to be independent and live on their own. But they belong to Ukraine. Okay, so uh, because Andre uh, converted to Christ and ceased to be Orthodox, he was being harassed, and so he left and went into the other part of Ukraine, where of course he has an accent, Russian accent. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so he was harassed in that part of Ukraine. So they left to go to Poland. Oh, then but they were gonna, they were gonna. Um, put him into the military, and have him fight against his hometown. So that's why they went off to Poland. And they were in Poland for a couple years, and then Poland said, no, you can't stay here, so they were going to go to Spain. But on their way to Spain, they found out that Spain wasn't taking any more refugees, and so they stayed at Bordeaux. They were a year at Bordeaux, and then they found. Then the government sends the refugees different places. The, the government sent them to, to uh, Perigueux. And that's where we met them. So uh, a Christian from the church. There's four Baptist churches at Bordeaux. And one of the, uh, the son of, the pastor of one, he told us about Andre and put us together. And so he started coming to our Bible studies at the cafe where we were downstairs. And um, <clears throat> that, that was like almost six years ago now. So then uh, when this... Uh, uh, war started going on two years ago now. Um, maybe it's two years ago. Um, he said, "Hey, come over here. We'll we'll take you in." And he contacted everybody he knew in as many churches, Baptist churches he could find over there. And he said, "Come, come, come." And so several people came. At first, it was family people, and then it was other people, and then uh, other people found out about it. And so that's why there's so many Ukrainians that come to that church, and the, some were already Christians. Some converted right away. Some came and have discussed and have listened and have converted. So I think in all around uh, maybe 15, there have been around 15 conversions. And um, they're going to plan some baptisms in the summertime. <laughs> um, so Andre started right away uh, encouraging the men to run the church. Oh, the Ukrainian men. Yes. They're not like the Frenchmen. The Frenchmen are, oh, okay, well, Billy, you do everything, and we'll just come. Okay? The ukrainian they want to do something. So, like, we, we do uh, Christmas plays and stuff, and we have a few little gadgets, you know, and some beards and some uh, robes and stuff. Well, that's how we did it last year. Well, this year, the lady, the Ukrainian lady said, oh, we're going to do it, do it really well this year. And then they made some really nice costumes. Hmm. Okay? That was That's great. And they're motivated in and of themselves. That's what you call zeal. zeal yeah. The French people have no zeal. Uh, That's the problem. Okay. So, um, Andre wants to get that, leave it in the hands of the men that are there, and then go on to do something at Bordeaux. That's what he really wants to do. Okay? There's a whole bunch of Ukrainians and Russian-speaking at Bordeaux, but they're all charismatic churches. All right. And so he wants to start a Baptist church at Bordeaux so that people have an option Instead of being forced to go to those uh, other type of churches, um, so I would say at this point in time, well, so Andre is he's you know support he gets support as missionary, and some of that support is coming through through us through our mission right now. Um, I think their real need right now is uh, help with renting a place, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, so. We worked it out with Andre through my mission that up to three years I could help through our mission to support him. So uh, we're in the second year already. So that's, you know, by um, by the end of 25, let's say, uh, we can't do that anymore. And he's supposed to find some other way, some other mission or something to work through because um, that's how it works. <laughs> anyway, um, so the, I think the real need right now is for the church okay mm-hmm. rent the church because when we back out in july uh if they don't have you know the, most of the people don't have a job because they're refugees but some of them are starting to get jobs and uh so andre's been encouraging to take an offering and they do that but they're coming up with usually less than 100 euros a month to pay a bill that's you know Like uh, 600 euros and going on $700 is just not enough. Okay, so anyway, I hope that answered all the questions there. Okay. Another question. Yes? (laughs) Does the government supply the needs of the refugee settlement with housing and medical and all The bottom line answer is yes. But here's how it works. So, um, Europe decided that Europe would receive um, the refugees from Ukraine. Europe doesn't receive the refugees from other places, just Ukraine. So, Europe is uh, paying each country money designated to the Ukrainian refugees, okay? So, the Ukrainian refugees... Uh, expect the French government to provide for them because Europe is giving money to France to pay their way. Right. Okay, That's kind of an odd way to look at it. Some other people at our church, they're Iranians. So they left Iran as refugees because they were being persecuted. They came and they're in our church now. And the government doesn't use Ukrainian money right. to pay them. The government goes into the French pockets <laughs> to pay their way. So the bottom line is, in the end, yes, okay. For whether it's the Ukrainians or the Iranians, the government is is paying all that. Um, I don't know how deep the pocket is for the European support, but um, the the best thing is for them to you know find jobs and to provide for themselves because then they can provide for the church. <laughs> Bottom line. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Anything else? Yes. So, is France is, is an open country? There's no restrictions to evangelism or anything like that. France <clears throat> France used to be an open country with no restrictions. That is, uh, in 1905, they had a um, a law that separated between church and state, and so that's what 119 years that they've had some type of religious freedom in France. Before that, no. And since then, yes, until COVID. Okay, let's say maybe even until 9-11. Okay, because all the, the, you know, Western countries are doing these anti-terrorist things. And particularly France has a whole bunch of Muslims. Okay, so amongst all the Muslims they have, there's, you know, from time to time, some crazy people that go out and murder a bunch of folks, okay? So, for example, uh, they, somebody might somebody might uh, go to the school and cut off the professor's head or they'll take the truck and go down to the marketplace, you know, the farmer's market and they'll zoom through the farmer's market and run over as many people as they can, Okay? Usually they'll say, oh, but that was such a nice neighbor. He never said anything. It wasn't, you know, it was, it was just, he was just a nice, calm, peaceful person. And then he started reading the Koran and became radicalized. Okay? So, because France uh, wants to protect the French people from this terrorism, Now, a terrorist could be a Catholic that wants to blow up the Protestants, you know. Anybody could be a terrorist. So in order to protect themselves, um, first of all, at the time of President Sarkozy, they they kind of nationalized Islam, and they made some laws by which uh, the government, uh, in order to create an Islam that's favorable to the French nation, uh, the government pays for the imam's training and pays their salary and builds the mosques, as long as there's the promise that they'll receive no money from the outside. Well, I don't know how you can test that or not, but right. that's how the idea is. Okay, so he said, "Well, how can they do that? How can they have separation of church and state and train the imams and pay the imams and build the mosque? How can they do that?" Well, what is church? Church is Christian. Islam is not. So, separation of church and state church at (laughs) stake. There you go. There you go. Okay? So, I learned recently that there's also, so there's these new laws, okay, since COVID. Okay? Because COVID, we were in martial law. And under martial law, the senators can't vote no. They must vote yes or they must abstain, but they cannot vote no. Okay? Because that would be against the military. Okay? So, they pushed through these laws during COVID. Okay? So, um, What was I going to say? Um, hmm. How's that impacted the Christians in France? Well, that's what I'm getting to. Okay, good. (laughs) So, okay, thank you. That reminds. me. Okay, so, separation of church and state. Okay. Well, Catholicism has special laws. Okay. Because they did not recognize separation of church and state. Okay. They are not separated from the state. So, I'm doing what I do and I meet the head priest in our town and he's talking to me and he says, well, yeah, I'm at City Hall every day. I said, well, how come he's at City Hall every day, separation church and state? He said, well, we don't recognize the concept of separation church and state. We continue to have our fingers in everything. Interesting. So, Islam has special status, Catholicism has special status, and all these laws against terrorism are applied to who? The Christians. Mm-hmm. We are the terrorists. By definition. Right. Because You don't follow into the Muslims and you don't follow into the Catholics. so There you go. Okay. So, recently they passed some laws because they don't want the, anybody well, anybody, to teach their own children, to give them you know, the ideas that their parents might have. So, all children at three years old must be in school. So they can train them up so that they're not like their parents, but they'll be like the government wants. It reminds me of, you know, Germany during the Nazi time. Okay? And, um, hmm, so that's one thing. Oh, but of course, now, you know, one of those things they're going to teach them, there are no boys or girls. Oh That's one of the important things they want to teach those children. Yeah. Of course, we all know there's boys and girls. You know. How do you have babies if you don't have boys and girls? You know, (laughs) But uh, that's one of those things. And so there's all these things that are coming up. So now, you know, there's two types of churches in France. Well, really, it's three, but two, basically two types of Protestant churches. There's declared Protestant churches, and there's associations, just like, you know, the handball club, mm-hmm. okay? So our church at Breve is like the handball club. And a lot of them are this other one. They're officially churches, okay? Well, the new law is that officially churches can only exist for five years, and then the préfet, which we'd say the sheriff, will determine whether or not they have broken any rules, and must cease to exist at the end of the five years. These are the declared Protestant churches. These are the ones that are declaring themselves as being religious right. okay. churches. Okay. So they only exist for five years. So this has been for three years. This, this law. We haven't gotten to the end of the first five years. Okay. To find out. Okay. What what happens next? Okay. Uh, so theoretically, you know, it could be a tacit. Forwarding over the next five years and go on for eternity that way. Okay? But the point is that the government has given itself the right to exterminate yep. any official churches. Now, us, we're not an official church. Right. So we're in a different status, but the government still looks at us like it looks at the others. Uh-huh. It doesn't have the five year rule right. for us because we didn't call ourselves officially a church. We just, you know, we're an educational. Association we teach people what the Bible says, you know how to be a Christian, and so on. <laughs> and uh, so there's a little distinction there, but the government still kind of pushes us under that. They call it a mixed association no. so there's not very that's not too happy, okay, but in France, you know, there's always been persecution of the of the nonconformists, okay, and so we're just pushing getting closer to that time yes. So you mentioned that children at three years old have to go to school. They have to be taught in public. The, I didn't say public. Well, okay, but they have to be taught the, the ways that essentially the government. Is that the, uh, the federal, let we'll say federal government versus local government that drive that? Is, do you, do you yeah, in, that? in France, so you think in the United States, France, okay? So France, there is no local government. <laughs> it's just federal. It's just There's the government, and they tell everybody what they have to do. So, for example, a few years back, uh, they said all... uh, So weddings, marriages in France are done by the mayor. Okay. Okay? So you can get married at church, but if you get married at church without getting married by the mayor, you've committed a crime against the state. Wow. Okay? So you have to get married... By the mayor. By the mayor. And then if you want, you can get married some other way also. But what counts is the legal uh, government marriage. Okay? And so the, uh, the government said, okay, now, if you're a mayor, you must marry homosexuals. Well, a lot of mayors were Catholics and different things. They said, no, we will not do it. They said, well, you don't have to do it. You can cease to be the mayor. <laughs> or you can continue to be mayor and you can do it. So a whole bunch of mayors resigned because they would not do that. Right. So now you have in place a generation of mayors who have a particular position yeah. on morality. Okay, so the government decides, and everybody is supposed to follow. Now, I did say it wasn't, I didn't say the word public. So our, our grandson is three years old. He had to go to school. They put him in a Catholic private school because we hope that at least there, they'll be a little bit more protected than in the public school, which has declared that it wa- and it must be taught. Okay, and the government says that the private schools, are going to encourage them to teach these things, but they can't force them to because they're private. To follow on end. So in that regard, is the way forward really um, should be considered that uh, the way forward might be private school then for a, a, like a Baptist private school or something of that nature? Um, so one thing is uh, they, along with the rest of it, they um, outlawed homeschooling. Right. Okay, so that's now forbidden. There are some conditions that could happen, but it's basically no. Um so everything is, goes back to the government. They have what they call the academy, and the academy is what <coughs> uh, determines whether you're educating properly or not. So the answer is yes, you could open a private school, but you'd have to uh, be sure to fit the, yeah, conform to whatever their standards are. Yeah, And there there has been, over time, here or there, a small um, Christian school, not Catholic, but they're not, you know, they're usually just for one person's children and the children around those children, and then when the children leave home, it's closed. Oh. Yeah. So there are ways around it, you know, like our son, Philippe, we did homeschooling through a homeschooling group in England. Mm-hmm. That was during the time that England was still part of Europe. <laughs> so he was actually enre- enrolled at a private school back in those days, and did homeschooling. So I'm sure that that type of thing could still work if somebody, you know, thought about it. Another question? It's 10.30. How much time do I have left? About 15, 20 minutes. Okay. Um, 15. <laughs> so let's uh, open our Bibles. This is just some, <clears throat> some verses... In the Psalms, I'd like just to think through. Um, so, you know, when you're out talking to people, lots and lots of people believe in evolution. Yes. Okay? And um, we know that uh, all of our kids are influenced by these thoughts. Okay? I'm going to be in uh, Psalm 53, verse 1. So, uh, the bottom line of, of evolution And of humanism, is that man is that there is no God, okay, and that man is just an animal, okay? So the bottom line, you know, they teach that man is a monkey. Isn't that what they teach? Okay, so I want to work out a message, and it's not today, Evan. It'll be titled, Man Without God is Nothing But a Monkey. (laughs) That's what they teach, and that's what this says. In verse 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. You know, oh, yeah, those evolutionists, you know. But hey, this is the part that Paul starts out with this yeah. in Romans chapter 1. Yeah. And he says, This is true of everybody. I'm telling me God. Okay, so in one sense, that's, you know, should be encouraging because if we're all here, and yet we're all converted to Christ, then there's hope for them. Mm, amen. They might be starting there, but they could turn to Christ. Is that right? Okay. So that's interesting. Romans chapter 1 starts out here in this psalm. But from the other perspective, you know, uh, it's it's not a wonder they do abominable iniquity when they believe in no form of morality. Right. There is no right, there's no wrong. There's just, hey, I want to do this and I do it. I remember when I, when I graduated from high school, and uh, the uh, the kid that did his little message, you know, he says all this stuff, and then he says, "If it feels good, do it." And my uncle was there, and he said, "Well, I feel like dumping a garbage can over his head." <laughs> he said, "But I'm not going to do it." <laughs> so, yeah, if if it feels good, do it. That just doesn't work very well. Okay, so that was the first verse. Then let's go to. Um, chapter, of Psalm 50. 50, 50, yeah. And there's a couple of verses here. It says uh, in verse 1, Psalm 50, verse 1, The mighty God, even the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Okay, so this book, the Bible teaches there is a creator God. Yeah. and he's made everything okay now it doesn't mean that people believe that right. but that's what this book claims Yeah, and that's what we can see that every day the sun goes up the sun goes down every day just like the bible says okay and this verse the first half of the psalm is teaching that God reigns over the physical world there's a physical world there's a spiritual world and down in starting in verse 14 it talks about God reigning over the spiritual world okay Verse 14, offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Verse 15, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Okay, so God is there. God is a spirit. Okay, he rules over the physical world, and he rules over the spiritual world. And we need to conform to him in both of those worlds. Now, I want to look at Psalm 39, 5. 39, hold on here, let's see what I did. Oh, yeah, Psalm 39, verse 5. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth. So, the handbreadth is this. Okay, that's not very big. Okay, he could have said, you know, according to my stature. He didn't give that. He said, that's how long our life is, okay? Yeah. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee, because God is eternal. And even if we get to be, I think they said that uh, there's a, a lady, I don't remember where she's at, somewhere in America that's 115 years old, Okay? So even if we get, wow, 150, that's nothing, okay? And the Bible does say most folks die by around 80, okay? Uh, Verily, every man at his best, at his best, is altogether vanity. That means nothing, you know? Oh, I don't like the Bible. (laughs) I don't don't like truths like that. I'm important, right? Well, in a relative sense, you know, amongst ourselves, we're important, you know, especially when I'm talking about me. But in God's eyes, we're nothing. Yeah. We're gone. Okay? So that's what that verse says. And then look up one verse, verse 4. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. God wants us to have an, a realistic opinion Of ourselves, particularly before Him, we're just nothing. We're frail, you know. I mean, you know, you shave all the guys know you shave and oh, it starts bleeding. (laughs) We're frail, you know. It doesn't take anything, okay. Um. Then I want to go to chapter forty, Psalm forty, and look at verse seventeen. But I am poor and needy. So there's the, you know, the man humble before God. He recognizes he's nothing. He's poor. He's needy. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Wow. So we're nothing, and yet God thinks about us. Yes, That's important. That means you're important. Every person is important because God is thinking about us in particular. okay. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Well, the, first, the rest of the verse says, Make no tarrying, oh my God. So hurry up and deliver me, you know. <laughs> but God is our help, and he is our deliverer. Then uh, let's jump over to uh, 49. Psalm 49, verses 1 and 2. Hear this, All ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor, together. Okay, so God's word is for everybody. It's not just for the rich. You know the Cambodian Bible? We learned this a long time ago. The Cambodian Bible was translated into the language of the king. And nobody speaks that language except the people around the king. So the Cambodian Bible is of no value to the Cambodian people because it's not their language. Okay? So that, they didn't get the message. (laughs) God, when he speaks, he wants everybody, doesn't matter if they're high or low, rich or poor, everybody needs to know what God thinks. Otherwise, we can't conform to what God wants. Okay? Okay. But when I'm the reason I underline this is because the word of God has always been for everybody. You know, the Jewish people kind of thought it was just for them, right. and God gave it to them to get it out to everybody. But then they said, "Well, no, that's that's our secret," and they kept it a secret and they lived like the rest of the world. Right. Okay, and so in this verse one, it says twice, "All ye people, all ye inhabitants of the world." It says God always had a desire to reach out to the entire world. Yes. 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 Now go back to chapter 41. Psalm 41, verse 1. Blessed is he that considereth the poor, the Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. So we've already seen that we're all nothing. We're vanity, you know, just a hand breath and all this stuff. And... Uh, so when you consider the, the nothingness of one who might be a mighty guy and the nothingness of the other who's a poor guy, there's not a lot of difference from God's perspective. Okay? And this is a promise that if we have our eyes and ears attuned to people that are in need, yeah. that God will have his eyes and ears attuned to us when we're in need. Yes. Okay? So That's a little thing that we got to think about. Yes. You know? Not to ignore people. You know, because sometimes we would prefer to do that, you know. But um, that's what God says. He made a promise there that anyone can, can accept this promise. If we will think about those other folks, then God will think about us in our time when we become one of those folks. And then just a, a last verse is over in chapter 46, or so Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Oh, I never have any problems. (laughs) We all have problems. We have all kinds of difficulties, whatever they come up, this way, that. God is always there to help us when we are walking in his ways. In fact, he knows we went into that trouble. And he knows the way back out. He will help us. Because he's promised to do so. Um, so I have a couple minutes left. So one thing about you know the man that's just a monkey. Okay, if he really believes he's just a monkey, okay, then he doesn't believe that there's anybody out there to help him. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't believe there's any hope in life. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's pretty depressing. Okay, just a little thought. And there's another verse here that I wasn't going to really do it, but since I have another two minutes. <laughs> it's in uh, 44 Psalm 44, verse 21. I think that's, wow, you can think about that verse in a little while. Uh, shall, not ser- shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. God is looking right into every one of our thoughts, every one of our desires, everything about us God knows. And we don't want to forget that, you know. We're not just independence, okay? We're, we're living before God all the time. Whether other folks know or don't know, you know, there's a song a long time ago from hippie days, you know, uh, smiling faces tell no lies. Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> right? People can be smiling, but they can be crying inside, yeah. you know, or angry inside, whatever. Okay, but God sees everything all the time, okay? That's all I wanted to share this morning for Sunday school, Pastor.